0: All right, everybody, welcome to the fourth installment of the Captain's Corner podcast uh, with you, your host, Coach Jake, Coach Matt. And uh, Matt, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing good. We're
0: live. Today's a big day. It is a big day. We have a real guest. We have an actual guest. Not, not a fake one, a real one. <laughs> he's actually in, in sitting, next, he's sitting next to us. <laughs> uh, today, we'd like to welcome on uh, Coach Matt Labuta. Coach, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing great this is this is an honor for me to be here guys
0: Thanks. <laughs> awesome thank you
2: have you ever been on a podcast before uh this is my first one you've so.
0: given interviews though right? looking,
2: looking for well it's been a while but oh, yes, oh, anyway. back in the game
0: have sure ever, i think a better question is have you ever listened to an entire podcast from one episode uh
2: i am still uh reviewing them <laughs> i'm gonna get there but yeah. well, well
1: any podcast
0: Oh, yes, of
1: course. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. I was going to say, because that is kind of generational, because I feel like I listen almost like a podcast a day, driving or doing
0: something. It depends. depends where I'm listening to news sometimes. Yeah. 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 It's nice in the car when you're driving. Very nice in the car. You know, you can just, or at work, put headphones in and just let it rip.
1: Mm -hmm. Sometimes. All
0: right. Coach Matt. uh, Coach Matt. We have two Coach Mats today. That's right. That's right. So we're going to have to, uh, that's going to be easy for me. So. Uh, Coach Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself as a coach.
2: Yeah, um, I've been uh, a coaching for a long, long time now. I was a Bradford baseball coach for over 23 years. Um, I've been coaching since basically uh, after my playing career stopped. At some age, whether it be little league or younger kids, youth baseball, all the way through college level. coached team Wisconsin for a while which were the elite college players in Wisconsin for about 8 years 8 8 times during the sum in the summertime um, yeah i've had had many kids come through our, our program over at in high school and uh, i really enjoy my opportunity at, at, with the captains right now so yeah. Yeah, i've been coaching for a long time do they still do a
1: team wisconsin
2: T- team wisconsin changed into a different format Based on what the scouts were looking for. Because that
1: was really big. I feel like I was kind of maybe at the end of it. Mm -hmm. But I do know, like, they had a huge... Have you heard of Team Wisconsin, Jake?
0: I actually haven't.
1: So they had this huge showcase at Nash. And they would play, like, teams representative of each state. I mean, super competitive to get on that team. To get on it, we
2: originally had players trying out from all over our state, Wisconsin. And then you would go... you pick the 15 or 18 top kids. Mm To play other states, exactly. Yeah,
1: because yeah. I think I tried out my senior year. I actually did not. I, I I did not make it. But um, yeah, that's kind of gone down a little bit though. It's
2: changed because now the showcase has taken yeah. over. Yeah. Uh, most college coaches like to do a simple showcase. It's a lot more convenient for them to, to do it that way, and and then travel baseball took over as well. So it was difficult for kids to get, you know, really into the team Wisconsin because. Their travel team wanted them to play at some tournament somewhere the same weekend, so just kind of kind of fizzled out a little bit yeah, yeah. wow
1: yeah, I think that 's what um, why you 're on the podcast today, besides again, I always like talking to a coach, we go back a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think you have a unique perspective as you 've seen players mostly at the high school age really over the better part of two decades and i 'm always astonished at just how much things have changed even since i 've been out of baseball. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess we can get into some of the factual stuff now or some of the stuff I want to pick your brain about. You know, in terms of if you're listening to this, if you're a parent or a player, um, I think your first step should always be succeeding where you are right now. I talk to a lot of people and they're like, oh, I can't wait to look at junior colleges and colleges. And my first response is, well, what's your playing time on JV? What's your playing time on the varsity team? And from your perspective, coach, what do you think are some of the biggest things a player let's let's say you're a seventh eighth grader, what are some of the biggest things or best things they can do that when they step on campus, you know, a freshman at, at any high school in Kenosha, to stand out and to have their coach be like, man, this this guy could be a guy?
2: Ah, uh, it's a great question. Well, let me go back a little bit yeah. here. So when I when I when I played back in my day, you know, mm-hmm. I I was a division one baseball player. I played at UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago. Uh, transferred to a junior college, Oakton Community College, and then finished at Illinois State University. Um, you know, when when I was playing, it was, the game was different, technology wasn't there, and you you played the game for the love of the game. And you played all the time, not just when you were younger, you played your, your team, but you also would play with your buddies. You'd play neighborhood baseball, pickup games. Um... But but you learn, I thought we learned the game by doing it and just feeling it out, not by coaches having it, to oh, yeah. tell us everything. Um, so I noticed the difference moving forward in, in time. Um, a lot of the kids early in my career coaching during the, the, the mid and early 2000s, they still had that natural kind of love of the game and playing it. And, and it wasn't them learning the game on video games, it was them doing it. Mm-hmm. And I see a big difference now. Kids think, wow, I I, I play video games. I can play baseball, too. <laughs> There's, that's,
0: that's
1: <laughs> I, I'm actually better at baseball than I'm at video game baseball. Yeah, I'm yeah. so bad but, at video games. But it's a
2: difference. S- oh, yeah. So in saying that, I get to your question. Now, you know, the kids coming on campus, you, you can't just assume that because you maybe played a little baseball or you've played video baseball or you've done things that that's going to be it. You have got to impress the coaches. You have got to make sure that you are, you know, practicing with intensity, practicing with intent to get better, not just showing up at practice. I mean, you want to you wanna improve your skills. You want to make yourself feel a little bit uncomfortable by pushing yourself. Who cares if you make a few mistakes in the practice? Because when the game changes and game speed changes it, during game time if you've been pushing yourself in practice during the game you're going to make a it, it's going to come a little bit simpler it'll slow down in your mind for you so just just
1: man you just got to play that's you know that's a really good point and i know yeah. jake how, how many years did you coach at st cath's street
0: i was there for about uh, 5 years
1: okay so we, we this is a pretty good panel of a lot of high school coaching experience here i think and you guys can agree or disagree that middle school level practice, 6th, 7th, 8th grade, for most teams, I'd even say even the captain's teams were working on it, there's a level of casualness. There's a level of um, no, lack of intent that yeah. is just so common. Right. But to me, when I was a coach, uh, you know, we had freshman tryouts. I didn't know any of these kids. I couldn't pick any of them out. I saw instantly the kids who, from putting on your spikes to picking a playing partner for catch, there's an intent level. And I think – and this is something that's loosely based on skill. If I'm watching a kid who I've never seen before at a tryout of – let's say there's 20 kids. I mean, could it be 10, could be 20. If they do everything with intent, jog out to your play catch, play catch further than 40 feet, maybe move their feet a little bit when they're playing catch. I mean, that's an easy way to stand out. And I think not a lot of kids – not a lot of kids
0: appreciate that. No, there's definitely – it's definitely underrated – uh, playing catch. I think playing catch to these kids is a very underrated thing because you, you, you stop seeing a lot of that stuff you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. And where's one thing, like, me and you threw it around today or of the season. Yeah. You know, and it was like we were kids again. Yeah. In, that, in that moment, we're playing catch and it's it's that level of fun, like you said, that level of intent and that passion for the game. And it is true. You can watch, we used to say it um, when I was coaching St. cats, you can pretty much get a good idea about a kid just watching them play catch for about five minutes. <laughs>
1: And I think, too, what Coach was saying, kids, players who are used to playing without the eye of a coach, like a coach monitoring them. Yeah, watching you. I think we'll actually play better catch because mm-hmm. they, they understand they're doing this to be better Right. compared to when a coach is watching you. And especially at the high school level, day one of tryouts, day two of tryouts, you're not going to be telling kids how to play catch coach
2: there's you're there's, just watching there's no yeah, I am watching observing, i want to see the athleticism, I want to see the the trying to get better, and you can get better by playing catch <laughs> you I, get a lot better, it, yeah. it's amazing you know from the from the I actually go back to the stretching, you know how are you, you stretching how are you are you doing your band work um are are you making your body prepared and ready to go you know it, it, to the best of its ability and then and then playing catch. By everything you mentioned, shuffling your feet, moving your, moving your hands, getting in front of the ball, you know, hitting your partner in the chest, whatever it is, and then stretching your arm out, getting his
1: distance on your throws to make sure that you are getting your arms stronger by throwing. If I was talking to a kid on my team, because I guess I'm coaching 14s now, or even anyone on your team, Jake, guys who are just coming in, even kids who are freshmen and sophomores, if you, it is so easy to stand out. I think at the high school level,
0: yeah,
1: it's so easy. Get to the field for practice. If it's outside, wear a belt, wear baseball pants, right? Tie your spikes. That used to me so oh, bad with kids that tie their shoes. You no tie idea. your shoes. Mm-hmm. Run out to play catch. Play catch with intent. If you do that, I actually think if you do that, you'll make most high school teams. If you do just that, well, right?
2: Because that's going to stand out. It's, it's going to be different. Nowadays, especially now you. Know, you guys, Going back in the day when, Matt, when you played and um, Jake, I didn't get a chance to see you play much. But when, when you guys went early on in my career that, you know, guys monitored themselves or they pushed themselves a little bit more, too. If their teammates weren't, hey, stepping it up a little bit or playing catch the right way or goofing around, guys would step in and say, hey, get it together. Let's practice right. Let's get it going. Um, let's make it happen. Not, not, not let's just show up and cause I got to be there, but let's show up to get better and be a better team and
0: player. I think that's a great point because that's something that I was trying to push with some of my kids this year too, was that when we played and I, um, I'm sure it was the same way with you, you pushed each other on the field, even in practice, right? You're giving it to your teammates a little bit, you know, like mm-hmm. not just when they mess up. But even when like even when they make a play, like hey, get rid of it quicker or something like that, you know, there's just being that like that leader in a sense of making sure everybody's as, as accountable as they can be, you know, and taking oh, it serious. Yeah. And instead of like the entire field just being quiet,
1: mm-hmm.
0: the that's whole practice, a, there's always some chirping going mm-hmm. on, and and that,
1: that that's a big thing I see is
0: a difference, and you know, I guess.
1: I do want to dig into that. I really want to dig into what you think makes a successful team because that, to me, yeah. I think about that all the time because it's just so weird. I want to dig into that, but before I do, mm-hmm. you know, so we talked about being prepared and having intent at practice, right? Have an intent day one of trials, have an intent in the weight room when for high school that will immediately set you apart. Mm-hmm. Number step, be on time, have intent. Boom, boom, number one, number two. In terms of let's get into a little more like physically, do you think, um, When you see, like, this new crop of freshmen, sophomore, these new crop of kids coming in, anything that's glaring that you see across the board is, like, lacking. Like, man, these guys just aren't getting this. Oh, wow. That's – from the weight room perspective, I
2: I would say a lot of kids haven't done much yet.
1: Yeah, that's true. And
2: they don't know how to work out. I I don't see that as a big issue for incoming freshmen now. I mean, you have to teach them a routine, but – I did notice in the past in the day of, you know, even Nate McCullis and those days and, and and guys that came in, they had already been weight training or doing some kind of, you know, physical skill, physical improvement and they came in with a better a better physical physique even, you know, at the time. Um, you know, you have once in a while you have a, a somebody that has been working out, but I think that it's so important nowadays to do that. For sure. Um, but I, I guess from a, from a playing, from a baseball standpoint, it's, uh, yeah, I've, I, uh, that just knowing your swing, just knowing your, your mechanics as a pitcher, um, used to be so far, they're farther ahead than where some of these kids are now. And they're, they're more robotic now. And I think before it was, you used your natural ability. And as a coach, I was just to tweak little things here and there. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's more than one way to hit.
1: Oh, yeah. There's tons of ways. There's to
2: more than one way to throw and field, and that's why it's such a good game because there is such variation in players' abilities. But I, I guess, you know, kids were more confident in their own skills back 10, 15 years ago. Now it's it's they're relying on the coach too much to tell them how to do it. I guess I'm going that direction. No, yeah.
1: I think that's a really good point, especially when you think about, and what I saw a lot and maybe this is a combination of everything you just said, or maybe I'm just thinking differently. Almost like a lack of understanding of body mechanics. And I don't know if I can describe it well, but I saw a lot of freshmen sophomore come in. At times they looked really well. Like they had flashes of, hey, this could be a successful varsity player. But they couldn't repeat things often. They had trouble repeating the throwing mm-hmm. mechanics. They had mm-hmm. trouble repeating the hitting mechanics. And I always thought to myself, I don't know if this was a previous coaching issue like the, you know maybe they can show me a good swings when i'm watching but then when i don't watch they kind of slack off or if it was more of a i don't appreciate the fact that in order to get better at hitting i can't take five good swings and 30 bad ones i have to take 30 good ones and then hopefully i do that in a game so right. i don't know if it's a mind shift or like a physical shift shift that's um i'm not sure repeating yeah. mechanics is important
2: um I think it has to come from strength and not doing it as much the right way. Um, if 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 I could say this. Okay, so the mechanics of your body, I see a big change between your junior and senior year. Oh, for sure. Sophomore yeah. year, you know, if it, freshman, sophomore guys are still not physically as strong, but in, in very rare occasions is there a freshman or, or sophomore that can play varsity on their ability, yeah, not just the need.
1: That's a that's a great way. I want to I'm, I'm talk about that, but yeah, go but
2: ahead. junior year, senior year, you know, by, by the time you're a senior, you have grown into your man body almost. Yeah, you're almost there. So you've able you're able to refine your skill, your swing path, your mechanics as a pitcher, throwing more strikes, hitting spots. I think that happens more junior, senior year, senior year especially, but you know, younger age, I, I can, you're, you're coaching them to, to get the mechanics and throw strikes, but you don't get it right away yet. Yeah.
1: I get so many people and people who are really good, really good parents who are on top and their kids are good players. And they ask me questions like, you know, I want the kids in eighth grade, you know, do you think he's gonna be at varsity next year? Or like, you know, how can I, you know, do they, I want him to be at varsity as a freshman. And I tell them all the time, that is such an unrealistic expectation. Yeah. Out of all the teams you coached, how many freshmen do you think, I know one, I know Nate, right. but how many freshmen came and consistently impacted on varsity? Uh, that would be Nate. And honestly, in Nate's first year, I'm not talking bad about Nate, but I do remember exactly, Nate started off like over over 13 mm-hmm. the first year he was on, because I remember his first hit, because he was stressing so much about it. Mm-hmm. I distinctly remember that. So even someone to Nate's caliber, but... I can even bring Gavin Lux into the picture because because yeah. I, I saw Gavin play for his four years, yeah.
2: in high school, and the same thing. I mean, he had hype build up, a lot of people talking about how wonderful and great he would be. You know, I, you could see as a freshman that there was skill ability there. but, but I think he was pro- and I, you know, I don't know if uh, Gavin's going to be listening to this, but as a coach perspective, we were not afraid of Gavin as a freshman or a sophomore. Um, junior year, they really kind of turned it on a little bit, and senior year, definitely. But, you know, he... he and, and Gavin's in the major leagues. I mean, you you can't expect a freshman in high school to be ready for varsity. There's such a jump. Yeah. Just
1: physically. And this is the part I stress. Because baseball is a skill sport, probably mm-hmm. closer to golf than it is to football. Yeah, But at the same time... Uh, and I encourage parents to really take, try to take an objective view of your son at this point. He's five foot six, 150 pounds. Yes. How many adults do you know are that height and weight? Right. None. Yeah. And 18 year old, potentially it could be turning 19 if he took like a gap or you know the kid waited a year because COVID. People did that. Right. You know, he's shaving. He has a car. <laughs> he has a girlfriend, and you're driving your 14 year old kid to school. Right. Your kid could be a great baseball player, and I feel like and this is, I think is a shift. When I was uh, – when I, I remember freshman year going for Bradford, genuinely making the varsity team wasn't even in my mind. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like a, a feather. I, I wanted to be on the team and do well on the team. Right. And I think that's a mind shift I want to change. You should be – I want to be on the team and succeed at whatever whatever level I'm at. Not, oh, I have to be on varsity. Right. And, and again, it's not, it's not a detriment to you, the player. The no. player can play two years on JV – Get physical, probably put on twenty pounds, go th- grow three inches. Right. Skill set, of course, he gets better, but the skill set's not going to drastically change. Yeah. For most, then as a junior, you impact the team. There's nothing wrong with that.
0: Right, and you got to imagine too, like they're they're two years as a freshman, right? You go to the big field at 13. 14, you go to play high school ball, and like that's a, there's a lot of big jumps, there's a lot of big changes in that age in that age period plus they're also going through puberty so like you may be five two your freshman year and five eight your your senior year there's just a lot of growth happening for sure so to to have those expectations you know just from a a developmental point or standpoint too is just kind of unrealistic as well
2: unrealistic like this too so you're 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 a freshman you the hardest freshman pitcher maybe maybe is throwing 70 miles an hour the hardest senior pitcher is throwing 90, 95 miles an hour. You cannot expect the, the, the freshman to hit a 90, 95-mile-hour 90, pitch. There's no way. Yeah. And you're not developed enough.
1: And I actually think if there's a chance for a freshman to play higher up, I think it would probably come through a pitcher. Not, and again, not because I think he's ready. Just because we need pit, like we, we need him. Out of
0: need. Yeah. And I, I,
1: think, I think that's a big distinction, too, that I really encourage. I think a parent could talk to the coach about this if they have these questions. You know, my son's a good pitcher on freshman. He moved up to varsity. He didn't necessarily get to hit or play a position. He pitched a little bit. Then he moved back down. And you have to ask yourself, is that because of his skill or necessity? Or a little bit of both. And just knowing that and understanding that and putting the right, right expectations for your son, I think, will help you out a ton. So, yeah. so many people like varsity or bust, and I've heard some people say, "Oh, I I don't want to play JV at this school. I'm going to wait till he's a sophomore, or junior to play varsity." To be honest, that is a uh, I, I, that's a huge mistake. That's a huge mistake. You should be. I think, and this is uh, I would love to hear your opinion on this. If you're a freshman, sophomore, or if you're not on varsity yet, I think you should be annoying. The, I think you should be almost annoyingly present. You should be at every lift. You should be at every open gym. The yep. coach has to put a name to your a face to your name. Yeah, they have to.
0: Yeah, and you walk in the building, he doesn't know who you are. You know, like you Why said, make I? an impression. Like mm-hmm. you said, make an impression.
1: Why should I know who you are? You're you're an eighth grader, right? Like, is are are, are you recruiting kids in Lance at Roland? No. You don't know who these people are. You have to show me.
2: Right, and and there is no, yeah, there's no way we we're fo- so focused at the high school on the kids that are there then. And and as a varsity coach, you're focused on your your varsity. You do talk to your JV coaches and rely on them to give opinions and, and feedback. But if you don't, I mean, if you're coming into the high school, you've got to make a name for yourself. You don't, your expectation should be making the Bradford or making the Trump or making the IT or whatever school you go to, making that, that team, being the best you can at your level, get reps, hitting, fielding, throwing, and that reps don't all just come in a game. Your reps come during practice, so so overtraining during practice. You know, f- making yourself take more balls. Ask the coach, can I take a few more ground balls? Can I take a few more fly balls? You know, catchers working with a, a coach because sometimes catchers do get neglected. Catchers uh, get neglected uh, yeah. during, <laughs> during during practice because coaches, if.
1: It's limited resource, limited time, and limited ability. There's no good ability. way to put them in. Like, yeah. There's no good way to put... I mean, catching... And I, I've said this. Catching catching has to be caught almost separately. Because right. you can't really... You can mix them in kind of with cuts, but you really can't. Right. You really right. can't. Yeah. yeah.
2: So, so I mean, you just make yourself better at the level you're at so that you do improve. And, you know, your expectations aren't... You want to be successful. If you're a freshman, you want to play varsity. And you're a freshman, you want to play varsity and sit on the bench or get sporadic time here and there and, you know, not bat real well and not hit real well, your confidence goes down. But if you play at the JV level, one or two, whatever it is, and you're feeling success, your confidence is building, your interest in the game keeps going. And then, you know, you physically start to develop year by year. Now you're ready for varsity, but it's a process.
1: And I I love that term process because this is actually really negatively affected me when I went to college and it's, it happened to me in college, but it could happen to some kids at the high school level too, you walk into a program and you think that the coach expects four solid years of you as a starter in the program. It's just not true at any level. It's a, prog- it's, a it's a process, and coaches know that. Right. Coaches know, And as a parent, you have to make sure your kids know that. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're a freshman coming in, Wanting to be on JV, wanting to get better, understand the system. This is a new system to you, right? This isn't where you've been in. Understand it with the goals of, I mean, geez, you could be, sit the bench and be a, a kind of a utility guy, and you have one stud year as a senior, one really great year.
0: Yeah.
1: And in my mind, the coach has done his job. He's developed you to have a great year.
0: Yeah. So
1: out of three years of development, one year of success. And I don't think a lot of people understand that.
0: No, because not everybody's paths are the same. Most people are different. Everybody's different, you know, and everybody's at a different level. Everybody's at a different um, physical, mental level. Um, That's something also to, you know, take into account. So I want to talk
1: now, and this is the part that I really want to bring you on for. What do you (laughs) think makes successful teams? And I I get it, you know, we got to have good players. That's all true. But we all know, and anyone who's listening who doesn't know this, I'll tell you this is true. There are some moments, some teams that their result is better than, you know, the the players on the team. You know, you get more wins than maybe this team on paper should have. And, you know, I think I've been a part of maybe three I consider, like, great teams. And I just want to know, what do you think makes that mesh? Or what do you think causes that difference?
2: The successful team. Um, camaraderie. Yeah uh, pe- players, players playing for each other, playing for the team. Uh, I really have to say they have to buy into the coaches yeah. philosophy, not just the head coach, but assistant coaches as well. You know, you, you have to, it, you have to realize that baseball is the team game with individual times where you have to be at, at the plate or pitching field ball. But if you know your teams are behind you and your teammates are behind you, I, I think the better teams kind of pick each other up. I know Jake, you mentioned it. Mm-hmm. They support each other. They pick each other up. <clears throat> they push each other during practice. Uh, they they aren't so concerned about individual statistics. Um, you know, the statistics take care of themselves. But all and also in hindsight, I guess statistics are just a measuring stick for coaches you know players can be hitting the ball hard all over the field and get nothing to show for it but the coach sees that they're they're it's going to break through it's going to break through hits will fall Hits will fall eventually you know
1: we all know that you can fudge the numbers with stats yeah baseball stats are the things that irritate me the most Uh, and that's why i i hate i love talking with baseball guys but I hate talking with baseball guys that are like, oh, you know, I actually should be starting because against lefties on day games, I'm hitting 315. Okay, (laughs) like, we can all manipulate these statistics. Yes. And you can justify your statistics. But I I agree. And, you know, the teams that I think that I played on that were great teams, I think the year we won state, always, I think that was a great team. Um, 2008, uh, Coach Abuda was a head coach. I was a player on that team. We won state. I think that was a great team. I played on one summer league team that I think was great. And I think I played on a men's league team first year at school, I think that was great. And what I saw that was the same in both of those, or all three of those teams, was positive peer pressure. You know, peer pressure has a negative connotation, you know, peer pressure like the you know, smoke cigarettes or something. But there was a positive peer pressure where I felt, especially in the 08 team, that I can't let these people down. Where it's like, you know, I'm not playing, as is no offense to you, Coach, but, like, I wasn't playing no, for you. No, we know. Like, like, I wasn't playing, and it should be that way. Yep. Like, it's not the coach's team. I felt that good teams have an atmosphere of, hey, we have to win for each other. And, again, at, at that point, I was a younger player. I was like, hey, I got to do this for these seniors, like, or I got to do it for these guys. That type of thing, I mean... How do you build it? But I, I think I think there's something there. Every team that I've been on that's great had that kind of atmosphere.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the, I was a part of a state championship team too, and it was the same way. And I, I would I, I like that you said that peer pre, uh positive peer pressure. What? Give me an example of that? Like oh if gosh. you're on the field, like just something you would say. I mean, well, I guess
1: I'll give you two examples of it. Uh, positive peer pressure. So 2008, I'll use this as an example. Um, one of our be- uh, we had a very very good pitcher, Sam Shizzle. And um, he was a pitcher, I was a catcher. He was a senior, I was younger. And um, to be very honest, when I first started catching him, I was very intimidated by him. I mean, he's kind of a larger-than-life figure, threw very hard, he had a lot of movement, he was left-handed. And I always thought to myself, you know, I have to step up my game so he doesn't lose strikes. Right. Like, this, like, it, no way was this about me. Like, I just thought, like, hey, I if he paints a ball at the inside corner, and, you know, I'm late, and my glove's moving, and it looks like a ball... Like that really doesn't impact me at all. It just impacts him. Right. And and uh, I know, coach, you you were a pitcher. You weren't a catcher. Probably no one on the baseball team would would have yelled at me. Like I don't think you would have got on me or any of the other coaches. You guys probably don't even see it. But I knew it, and he knew it. And to me, it's so the pressure from the other teammates to be better. And in order to get that, you gotta like each other. I know Coach – yeah. Coach. did you see Coach Prime just said, he's like, I don't care if my players don't like each other. I've never been on a team where that happened.
0: Right, team, a, good like a good team. Every team, team that I've been
1: on, you have to like each other. Right. You have to. Yes. Like, and I, people, and I, I've heard things like, you know, we got to respect each other, but you don't have to like each other. I've never seen that in play. Have, no, because I think
0: I think that's what camaraderie is, like you said, Coach. Like, you know, the the, the, the team okay, – they use the word vibe nowadays, right? Yeah, I know. The team right. vibe. Like what yeah. what, you know – but like that, that positive peer pressure that's a that's an interesting term because I've never heard it yeah said that way but it makes so much sense because even on our our state championship run got we got beat by St. Cats in the regional round they used their athletic director came out and said they used an ineligible player in the game so they had to forfeit so we lost we thought we were done pack your stuff up and then 4 days later it's like no you're you're back in the tournament and then we won I don't know wow. how many consecutive games after that and ended up winning the whole thing so like that was like we really once we found out we were back in that was like uh almost like a a rebirth kind of thing and that we really came together it was almost like just as a team even for like me I didn't I didn't start that much yeah and um but it was still that camaraderie was there with everybody even even the kids that that weren't playing as much they were they were just as respected and and treated the same as the guys that run the field every day so. as a
1: coach how do you foster that type of relationship in a team yeah i mean, I mean is it possible i had trouble uh, I, it, I had a lot of trouble when i coached high school in trail the last couple of years i had a lot of trouble getting man at
0: st cats it was like that for me too i couldn't get them to like gel and i thought that was something i had to manufacture i don't know but see i i'll let you answer it because i think i think it comes from the players yeah Positive,
2: positiveness is is the key. I mean, it does, it is a reflection on the coach sometimes mm-hmm. because the players will follow the coach to some extent. Um, you know, the 08 team again, that was, you know, that was a coaching dream almost because the guys did, you know, co- that makes the job easier for the coach because now you're not trying to get the team to get along with each other or gel or now you can go to the next level and now you can teach higher level skills or fundamentals or... Um, things that that will take you a little bit further. Got I mean to teach kids to get along. I don't know. Um, most for the most part with high school kids, high school baseball, they know each other for a while. They've mm-hmm. gone to you know middle school together and, and high. Sc- they're now in high school together. They might not hang out. There are cliques mm-hmm. and oh, and sure. different groups, but you know if 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 you can have one or two or three maybe leaders of that team that are mature enough, and that's hard for high school, but to be able to, you know, include everybody, especially at the field, on at game time. Um, you know, we had kids, we had fam. I thought it was great, this was great, the parents would organize team dinners. That was good to bring the kids together, even if they didn't hang out with each other much now, they're kind of forced to, but they get to know each other a little bit and find out they're not all that different from each other, you know, especially nowadays kids play video games they all like video games it's there's things that kids do like so it's easy to i think it's okay to to do things maybe that'll get them together i know at one point we had a team building with different teams that i that i had done um the team challenge courses if you're yeah. familiar with those yeah. we did some of that to kind of get the guys to support each other um me just telling them to do that? No. That's, that's, or you're just telling as a coach? Yeah. They, they got to do something where they learn and feel more confidence around each other. So I think they're scared of each other in, in, to, to a degree, too.
1: I always found, and, and you can tell me this, and I guess I have perspective because I was a player for you, coach, and yeah. I always found the last couple of years of coaching, I was amazed at how disconnected I felt to the players as a coach. And I never thought that would happen as a coach. I always felt like, again, I felt like, hey, I'm a younger-ish guy. You know, there should never be a barrier. Like, hey, you got an issue. You can tell me. But then I'd hear some stuff from the players, and I'd be like, man, like, that's what's going on? Or, like, that's what you guys are thinking about this? Did you ever feel that way with a team? And if so, (laughs) did you ever bridge that gap? Because I felt playing, and this is from playing for you, coach. I always felt like there was a core of guys who always were like, hey, you know, we have the coaches back because we want to win. He's doing what's best. Mm-hmm. Uh, and again, there's always going to be stragglers. or some people who have negative attitudes. That's just life. But I always felt in the three years I was in your program, like the core four or five kids. Like, hey, you know, we're doing this to win. It's coach. Let's go. Let's get behind him. I really did feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah,
2: disconnected. Um e- Generation, there is definitely generation differences and gaps. Oh, for sure. And as as the older I get and coaches get, that happens, um, times change. I mean, I think one that kept me a little bit more connected might be that I have my own kids. Oh, yeah. And I can see what they do at home in terms of video games, phone, on their phone, on Snapchat, on whatever app they're on, and I kind of keep updated a little bit with. What's happening? Um, And then both of, you know, two boys, two of my boys did play for me. You know, that kind of helped me to stay a little bit as I got older, you know, connected. Yes, but I did also feel at some point there was disconnection. And I think partly, though, the disconnection was, you know, maybe I was a little bit more intense and strict on the baseball perspective and wanting more out of them. And maybe, in personal lives, they didn't have somebody pushing them as much, so I saw myself may, that as a coach had to adjust do i well i can push i could put matt push matt richer around a little bit more than I could push matt lure maybe or, mm-hmm. or, or somebody of that or 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 uh pete pete um Jerkovic Jerkovic or somebody mm-hmm. different but you know it, it as a coach you gotta you know you don't want to, you the saying is to treat everybody equally and fairly well. You don't do that necessarily. You do right. treat them equally and fairly, but, but you also got to treat their personalities differently too.
1: Dalton in our office, um, he's the pitching coordinator. Um, his dad was a lifelong basketball coach and he had a saying, I never heard this before I met Dalton, it's really good. And I, I want to make sure I remember it correctly. Um, you treat each kid fairly, but not equally. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that a lot too, because you're right. I found, as a coach, you know, what do coaches do? Coaches take you from where you are and help you to get you where you want to be, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's essentially what a coach does. Mm-hmm, right. And a lot of times that process isn't. Uh, it takes a little bit of blood and, and sweat and tears, right? You know, yeah. if I was training you, if someone was training me to run a pretty quick mile right now, there, there'd be a little bit of a disconnect. Yeah,
0: there'd be right? a, lot of, a lot of yelling going <laughs> on over there. Exactly, <laughs> but
1: that's what coaches do. But I felt that too. I felt that some players really, really embraced the idea like, hey, I'm on your side, I'm here to push you. Yeah. And others took offense to it. And that was so hard for me to try and learn. I mean, maybe you never learn it. Maybe it's just a process. I don't know. But I found so in talking about teams, I think the best way to put it when I saw great teams, and I don't know if you guys ever heard of the 8020 principle. You guys ever heard of that before? Where like 20% of whatever group will give you like 80% of your results. Mm -hmm. Say it's like in science where it's like, you know, 20% of your clients give you 80% of your revenue, stuff like that. I found on teams that were great, there was that 20% group, could be three players, that formed the core. And everyone else kind of knew that and accepted it positively. You know, like we had an identity. Right. That 018, for example.
0: You know, what was the identity of the 08 team?
1: I mean, the O A team was that Sam Schizzle's going to keep us close in every game <laughs> and someone's going to get a big hit. Like, that was the identity. Right. It really was. Yeah. And, you know, we were down. We were down a lot in a lot of games. But literally, the mindset was keep us close and someone will get it done. It yeah. was never, and I know this is not your coaching style, coach, but people were never like screaming at each other. People weren't like saying, like, hey, you got to pick up your game. It was really a sense of, hey, we have five innings to score three more runs. Like we can do this, right? And I felt like that's a hard. How do you shape a team's identity? Like how, as a coach, can you shape it, or is it done by the players? Um, I think it's
2: done mainly by the players. I, I give the players ninety percent of the credit most of the oh, time. To, I yeah. mean, it, it's, yeah. it's 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 their it's their will and their wanting to win and their character inside. Um, yeah, I, I like I like how you made that 80 eighty twenty comparison. You know, I think if the kids were, uh, I mean, it, it, the players themselves, not into it, it could go the opposite direction. Oh. And we had so much success at Bradford. I really feel like the the, the kids did want to win and want to be there. And they convinced their teammates to do that. You know, prior to COVID, I, I mean, I don't, the teams that we had at Bradford, we never had a losing season. I mean, it was oh. amazing how, how each year in... And you're out. The success was
1: there. And you know the culture, and maybe you saw it, but I know I saw it as a player. After we won state, the culture shift was: hey, if you're going to be a part of this, you better begin after this because we're like we're here to win. Like right. this, this is not a suggestion. I I, I heard, <laughs> I, I heard this recently, and I kind of got a little fired up. One of the players I was coaching for high school said, "Yeah, I really want to get some good reps in during the high school season so I can have a good summer." I told him if he was a kid on my team, I'd cut him right there. <laughs> like, but, like, that's the different atmosphere. When I was playing at Bradford, it was, man, we all played summer ball. We all wanted to get recruited. This isn't, like, unique to us. Right. Our focus was we are going to put a run at State every year. And maybe the kids have to see it because we saw it firsthand. Mm-hmm. Like we knew, like, we were there. We were telling stories about State. Maybe the kids have to experience it to buy in.
2: I think that's a big part of it. I, I know that um you you there is a shift in in parents thinking, kids thinking, you know that I don't know the travel ball thing has grown and 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 to a to a point where I think it's a little bit more you know, yeah, travel ball is going to help you become better, but it's the off-season workouts that you're doing with travel ball that then helps you with your high school season and then helps you with your summer season. Yeah. It's the training you get from the from the, the captains, for example. It's the training that Nate can provide, that us as coaches, we can provide, that's going to – we didn't – back in my day, we didn't have that off-season training. Yeah. I don't know how much there was. I mean, I know maybe in your era there might have been, but there wasn't a lot of off-season training. But that's what's making kids stand out and be a little bit better. Yes. It's not – I mean, I'll tell you right now, a high school team, when you – tell me if you go against – Oak Creek or Franklin, they got six, seven pitchers that throw 85-plus, that that's better than some travel team you might go against and play. Unless you play for a real elite team that travels around the country, maybe you're going to see that all the time. But if you're, you know, for captain's program, you're going to see good pitching, but you're not going to run up against a team that has 85,
0: several of those guys. guys. I say
1: this all the time to anyone who will listen to me, which if you're listening to this podcast, I guess you want to know. (laughs) High school baseball, competitive high school baseball, and I guess there could be a world where you're playing some, you're playing in a program that's just not very competitive, but my college experience was way closer to my Bradford experience than even when I played travel ball. And I, I played pretty competitive travel ball, but there's a dim- different atmosphere when, hey, I went 0-2, um, or I went over 2 I was rolling over the ball, I'm going to make an adjustment for next game compared to, this is a playoff game. There's a runner at third base. I have to put this ball in play to score the run for the team. Right. Like, in college, that's an everyday experience. Travel ball, kind of. It's there, but we're about development. That type of pressure to me was, you know, Bradford playoff baseball prepared me for regular season college baseball significantly
0: more, I think. Oh, for and sure. just that
1: kind of pressure where, you know, it's a high school team. There's there's guys who want to play that you're playing. You have to earn your spot. You have to keep your spot.
0: Yeah, and you're wearing your school's name on your chest. You know, that's that's part of it too because when you go to college and – Do you think, Coach –
1: and I I don't don't want to just limit this to Bradford. I want to limit this to all high schools. Yeah, that's fine. I want to say this tactfully. Has travel ball – and I'm looping in all travel ball here. Do you think travel ball has – Negatively impacted or lowered how much people care about high school baseball.
2: I would say that maybe it's a little bit of I got to watch this too. Too much baseball, mm. meaning if there's it's always another just game. another game. Yeah, it's just another at bat. It's just another inning pitched, um, and the pride factor of wanting to excel and be the best and win you know it's it's a lot of a lot of baseball i mean i i I am a proponent of all i would like to see somebody play two or three sports during during their high school time yeah and it's going to improve your physicalness and and your abilities and your and your athleticism but you know if you're just going to focus on baseball which nowadays i think in order like you were saying to play in college, you've got to kind of focus and narrow it down by your junior year maybe. At some point. To, to yeah. one or two sports, yeah, possibly. But but um, if you're going to narrow it down to one or two sports or, or one sport, baseball, by your junior year, you better be, every single at-bat better be most important to you. Every time you go on the field, whether it be your high school or travel, that better be... You're, you're trying to do your best, not just another at bat, not just another, you know, going through the motion. You gotta make, I wanna make hard contact every time I hit. I wanna make the pitch every time I pitch.
1: I think it almost goes back to the intent. We started off talking about intent, intent as an individual at tryouts, but also intent. Again, this we're talking about high school now, but this does carry over for when we're playing for captains. If you wanna be a good baseball player, um, you have to have intent about this. Uh, One of the coaches, when I played at North Dakota, he he would always talk about, like, your gas pedal. And he would say, like, give a shoot, you know, gas. That's what he meant. Like, how much do you care about this? And I feel like that, I see that lacking a lot. And it just really concerns me sometimes with these high school kids. I cared so much about high school baseball. Like, I, I cared a lot about it. And I see kids sometimes now, you know, it's a rivalry game, and they make an error. And I haven't told them. I'm like, if that was me. I wouldn't show up to school the next day. Mm-hmm. I'd be too embarrassed to show up to school the next day. Couldn't for sure, do it. For sure. And I mean, is that true? Is that not? I don't know. But it's the idea that if you want to be successful, you really got to care about this. Yeah. And I think that maybe a too many games. You think it's too many, I don't want to say too many games, but maybe not caring enough about each game?
2: Yeah. I would say the high, the high school season is is the right amount of games. Yeah. It's difficult. It's short, too. It's short, goes by quickly, and and... The weather isn't the best. No, it's not. <laughs> um, but you know, but but you have it, to be mentally. You have to be mentally solid and block out all of those all of those factors. And and again, like the weather, you got to block that out. You got to block out if you make a mistake. But you also have to make sure that you're 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 giving it everything you've got. And it begins at practice, but all but so that you're ready and prepared for game time. But I, I, I sometimes I don't see that at the travel ball all the time, you know? Yeah.
1: You, you don't... The standard start, I think it's really hard... To, I think it's really hard to turn stuff on and off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I had a kind of a mentor who would tell me how you do anything is how you do everything. I think about that a lot because I have a really dirty car right now. And I don't, <laughs> I don't like that I do. But I think there's a lot of truth to that. I've, I, I have seen some guys be able to turn it on and off a little bit. But by and large, a team that practices lazy... A team that doesn't get foul balls. I notice that all oh. the time. I do a lot of umpiring. I do a lot of umpiring, it. mm-hmm. and it's crazy how I see just so many things repeat. You know, if I have a team that between innings, like random kids, like sprinting out to me, giving balls, like, hey, I got three foul balls. The on deck batters, like sprinting to get foul balls, like just really small things. I notice in a lot of good teams.
2: Yeah. And, and you know what that that goes noticed too by college coaches.
1: Oh, for sure. If
2: there is a a I'll tell you, if a college coach is at a game. And he he they usually come to see one or two different guys, but if somebody else stands out who is hustling on and off the field or or taking ground balls between innings with intent to be better and improve, that gets noticed. Oh, and the stuff and between and innings is so important. Everything you never know, I always say, and you probably <laughs> probably heard it as well. <laughs> you never know who's watching. Yeah. It, and and at what time are they watching you? And it could be. You could play a seven-inning game, get one ball all game, maybe no balls all game, so the college coach hasn't seen you do anything. But you're in between innings, you're getting three, four, five balls, and you're practicing your fundamentals, your footwork, you're throwing, you're concerned about following through, your your intent is there. That gets noticed. I've I've seen and heard of guys and know of guys that have gotten recruited because college coach showed up saw this happen, and, and, it, and it made a difference because he didn't even get many plays. And, and or he had, a, he had a great swings, so didn't get any hits. He had two great foul balls, just his timing was off a little bit. And the coach, college coach came up to him and said, I like what I see. And, and that makes a huge difference. That's why I was getting at the intent, the level you, you, and I don't care if it's high school or travel, whatever it is, how you carry yourself on and off the field. A college coach can tell if you want to play at the next level or if they're going to make that investment in you. Because the college coaches the colleges are making an investment oh, for in sure. you for four years if you're going to be fortunate enough to get a scholarship of some kind. They're making an investment in you. They, there's a thousand players out there that can go through the routines, but there's only a few of them that, that stand out.
1: I think what's really significant at the high school – college middle school level you know it's like a hierarchy of needs like you know like that pyramid like the bottom biggest one to me is intent intent in everything you do um i even go a little bit further. like i want to say like aggressive intent and i only say that because if i'm watching a game and in between endings the shortstop is like flipping it over to first and it's really bothered me so much you know three quarters arm below the waist they're flipping it over the first when I see that in between innings, even if you're a guy, even if you're a stud, it just shows me that what you're so good that you don't need four extra reps.
0: Right. Insane. Or you, or you insane. When
1: now. I see a catcher not throw down in between innings like aggressively or hard, if I was a college coach,
0: like, I, walk away.
1: <laughs> he has That's a big it. minus check. Yeah. He's got to do something really good to get me off that. And I think teams from top to bottom, if teams can incorporate that, just every all the time a team will be better. So I want to- um I wrote something, Matt. I'm yeah. gonna, I want to read it real Please clear. do,
2: yeah. Okay, so, so I know we were going to talk about some of these topics. Yeah. So I wrote down something that I wanted to share here, um, in, in my opinion. So high school players or travel players. Players stand out by how, much, how they approach practice. At practice, a quality player will, will and should test their limits and actually feel a little uncomfortable, both physically and mentally. The more successful players are those that over-exert or over-train themselves during practice time. For sure. Um, they train hard, they give maximum effort in the drill work. During batting practice, they play their position and they read balls off the bat at their position. They're, they're actually trying to get better during BP, fielding-wise. Um, they speed up the game in their mind, and they practice so they're prepared and possibly over-prepared uh, for game days and for the speed of the game at whatever level they're at, your overtraining will slow the, I think baseball errors happen and, and problems happen when the game speeds up too much for you in your mind. And the way to slow it down in your mind is to get prepared during practice. And, and I really, those are the players that you asked me would stand out. The players that I see during practice diving, balls and making a play or you know or, or calling for balls fly balls in practice so that it becomes a habit a routine and there aren't miscues or collisions that stands out for me dramatically yesterday I was watching the, the Cubs game major league game fly ball in the infield between the shortstop and second baseman right right behind second base mm-hmm. the shortstop was going what? for it second baseman kind of this is they were the diamondbacks who were on the field second baseman thought the sec, shortstop was going to get it or se, and, and yeah, the wind short, was
0: blowing in hard that yeah
2: shortstop backed off the ball second baseman totally just gave up they didn't even look at the ball and it dropped right in between them for a ball landed in the infield for an infield hit at the major league level yeah wow. and, and you know that it, mistakes can happen at every level and they
0: do but that, to me, I mean, major leaguers are going to make mistakes, but why Nico, let it get Nico to that Horner. point? Nico Horner made that made that whole happen, scored on that play from first base. Why? Because they, they didn't really show it extensively, but you saw when you saw the replay. Two outs. Two outs, ball in the air. He is sprinting around the bases. Now, this is a pop-up in the major leagues, right? How many of those are caught?
1: Ninety nine point eight percent.
0: Yeah, right. And this guy, and I'm when I say this guy was booking it, and Nico Horner is one of the fastest guys in, in baseball. Right? He's got like thirty six steals. He runs, but he full on sprinted all the way around and was able to score on that play, the game's first run in the third inning of that game. Mm-hmm. I watched that two coats. That was that was impressive, and they they even said about it on TV. If you're a young kid watching baseball right now, watching this game, make a note of what just happened. You know, like that hustle, that 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 intent. And it's just it's,
1: it's so remarkable. I, I try to stress this to so many players. None of them get this. Maybe you could teach me how to make them get it. <laughs> bottom of the first, 2 0. Hitting's pretty easy. There's not a lot of pressure on you. It's probably a fastball count. Okay. Well, 0 2, base is low to bottom of the seventh, right? You're not training for the lowest level of competition. I think, right? I mean, again, hitting's never easy, but when the pressure is on you, you know, when it's a, when it's the game, it's a tie game and it's a grounder to short, like that is a lot harder than if there's no, you know, first inning. And I, I agree with you. Kids who, players who are training for the lowest level of competition will fail at the higher ones, yep. you know, and I, I would always say, and I just happened so many times in coaching, um, couple years ago we had a, had a shortstop it was a big play during the game um ball in the hole cold day pretty much every every excuse was on this player's side and he overthrew the guy first he made a big error and i thought to myself for four innings between the game he was lackadaisical a day's goal and his grounders in between innings because he didn't need to be i get it you know you're a good high school player it's a hundred foot throw you can flip it over there but are you preparing yourself for the big moment mm-hmm. And that is where I think you can separate yourself at practice. Yep. And, and that's one thing, too. I really, I really felt, I really did, I felt like on that state team, that especially towards the end when we were making a run, mm-hmm. I thought, you know, when we're like, hey, we're kind of making a run at this, everyone felt that we only have so much time to get better. Or like, we only have so much time to, like, hey, we've got to clean up our bunk coverages. We've got to clean this up right now. Like, we have to.
0: Right. That
1: sense of urgency because you do it now when no one's watching to do it when one day when a ton of people are watching
0: yeah tough it's not the problem and i think too and, and, and this goes back to what you said coach growing up you were playing outside right with your buddies and stuff in the neighborhood matt me and you did that same thing right? Sure. nobody was nobody's up there with a wiffle ball bat saying all right guys here it is top of the first <laughs> one out exactly base is empty two-oh count you know, it's always bottom of the ninth bases loaded. It's a high leverage, high pressure right. situation that even when you're fooling around, you're you're and we kind of unknowingly, we probably got better just because we knew like, hey, the, and pretend even this is a high leverage moment. And then we get into actual games and you're in those situations. You find yourself that you're, your heart's not beating out of your chest and you're not like freaking out. You're actually mm-hmm. kind of calm like we've done, you know. It's
1: tough to be that level of calm in those big situations. It is, it is. But,
0: I mean, I don't know. For, for, For me, it was almost like, at the end, it's just baseball. Like, instead of stressing out, right? You have that intent, have that, you know, you obviously want to do good. But when I would find myself, like, kind of getting worked up or, you know, like the game speeds up on you, I'd be like, it's just baseball. And that would help me kind of relax and kind of just kind of keep myself from getting too worked up.
2: I think the best thing a parent can do, too, to not put that pressure on their son. Oh, my gosh. On their son. But,
1: uh, I tell you, if, if you would have listened to the complete podcast, Coach, yeah. <laughs> ah, yeah. we talked about baseball is hard enough. Yeah. Like, can we all agree right. that baseball is hard? Yes. We so. all agree baseball is hard. And this coach, players, if you're a player listening to this, your coach knows baseball is hard. We know baseball is hard. Right. Uh, we've all played it. We've all seen enough of it. You don't expect the to why, be perfect. Though, but that's why I think I get so frustrated when we can't do the easy things Right. Like pitchers throwing, you know, 88 arm side run in a high school game and he jams you and you roll and you get jammed into a double play. Is that great for the team? No. But hey, this is a good pitcher. He made a good pitch and he beat you. That's hard. Yes. Right. Like we all know it's hard. But so that's why I think, hey, I get it. But now, for example, you know, in pregame, you're being lazy. That's easy. Let's get the easy things done first. Yeah. Then we can worry about the hard things.
0: Because right. there's
1: going to be a lot of hard things. Yeah. Maybe we don't have to make easy stuff hard. Yeah. I don't think so.
0: No, that's a good point.
1: So let's, um, let's finish this. Um, so what do you think, Coach? You've been a lot, around a lot of players, a lot of teams, a lot of successful teams. Um, what do you think us as a program, the captain's program, what do you think we do special? Or what do you think that we do that really help these kids show up in high school and be willing and able to perform?
2: Oh, I, I, I mean, the instruction and, and the level of coaches that, that Nate has put on staff and uh, on, you know, to work with whatever level it is, I mean, I, I think it's, and, and his knowledge and expertise and, and his dad, Kevin, Kevin, oh, my gosh, he's a wealth of knowledge and positive influence on everybody. You know, I think that the, the captain's training off season is is the best. You know Nate's presence there, and Nate's helping every boy, no matter what. And sometimes when the girls come to camp, oh, yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. he he is. It's just it's just the um, the I guess the the whatever the heart he puts into it, the the energy that goes into it. I, I think that that makes such a difference. And so when boys are coming to train, your training is probably going to be more instruction. Individualized than you may be getting in high school because we have more time. More time. And yes, I think
1: that's the biggest thing. And I, I said it a little bit last podcast. I want to stress this. What I really think, and you guys can agree or disagree with me, I think what Captains does differently is that there's no. There's no time where you're hitting, pitching, or fielding that there's no intent or there's no just like, hey, get your swings in. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I think there might be a, a time and place to get your swings in, but I feel like at captains, every swing, every drill has a focus. And in my mind, if you're a 6th, 7th grader, going into just hitting off the cage, just like, you know, just taking 100 swings, I think you could almost be getting worse. Yes. I think you could be getting bad habits. And I think the really the biggest thing we do at captains, I think, is we back live
0: now we are back live this will be part two with coach with coach matt we have to
1: figure matt. out with our production crew how we can get a longer than an hour podcast <laughs> Yeah, we can, do. we can we write that into the staff
0: well if you're listening and you would like to sponsor the show so that we can get an extra extra uh at more than 60 minutes on a podcast please feel free to reach out to our email captainscorner444 at gmail.com
1: or if you want lessons or if you want to just submit a question, and also, I've got a I've got a pretty good amount of questions. Let's just be specific as we can with the questions so we're answering that. Next next show we'll do a question answer thing, right? Yeah, I mean fair?
0: we could do something like that. Yeah, yeah,
1: um, yeah. Maybe we, we need can, some more emails though. Maybe too. we can open it up to a live studio audience.
0: That would be. <laughs> All seven people. I think we could fit maybe ten, fifteen people in here.
1: Oh, I mean, hey, the sky's the limit, Coach Jake.
0: We have enough coffee for him. Oh, that.
1: That, yeah, we're, yeah, tons of coffee. But all right, so um, before we're interrupted here, we're kind of just talking about what makes the captain's program different. I think the biggest thing I see, and again, I try to be better at this myself. Nate, every swing, Nate's analyzing. Nate wants every focused, every swing to be super focused as it should be,
0: right. and I
1: think that makes us different. Um, what do you think about like kind of standards? You know, we're talking a lot about intent. I mean, I I, I feel like that's something we really push. Don't you yeah. Agree?
0: Yeah. I think um, it was my first year in the program, and what the, the the gist of it that I got from Nate was, you know, the standards are high, and not just these. I don't think he's, uh, and we've talked about this a bunch of times, even in, in previous episodes. I don't think it's just about winning games and winning tournaments. I think the standards is high of, when it comes to intent. And accountability, and making sure that you're you're focusing and 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 working hard on every swing, and not taking anything off. You know, I think that's one of the standards that um, he kind of like wanted me to put in. Yeah. You know, so I. But for me, that that's what the first thing that stood out to me.
1: Agreed. Um, what's your favorite Nate story, Coach? <laughs> yeah,
0: you have <laughs> oh, a good yeah.
2: Nate story. Oh, I got I got a good my my favorite Nate story, and I, I I've probably told this one. Uh, I don't know a hundred times at yeah. least. You know, every time there's there's two, but one one is every time we go to Horlick Field, and we would play whether it be well, we would play either Park or uh, Horlick there. I point to the house. You okay. got to explain the geography of Horlick Field. Oh, Horlick was, Fields like in a neighborhood essentially. Well, Horlick Fields in in a neighborhood in Racine and in, in, in a tough area, um, and it's it's shared by. By Park and and by Horley. And just
1: the right field fence. It's it's a right field fence, a road, and then houses. Yes, right
2: field fence. Yes, yes. and the fence is probably at least close to to 380, almost 400 feet. To right center, for sure. Yes. Well, Nate hit a ball over the right center field fence onto the porch, which would be across the road onto the porch of a house. Um, bounced up into the front door area, and the lady came out yelling with the ball <laughs> in her hand. Who threw this ball here? I should have saved it, <laughs> but signed <laughs> it. But for a high school high schooler to hit the ball, legitimately four hundred fifty, five hundred—I don't know. It let, finally finished at five hundred feet is amazing, and that—that's that's one. one of the stories I like, and I share with the with the high school players, and 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 they they can't—they don't believe it. Nate so. We'll have to. I don't. We didn't have videotape back then, but that was a shot. That was a shot.
1: Yeah, I don't. I haven't played with too many people who hit the ball farther
0: than Nate. No, I'll tell you what. We we've actually played against you guys. I went to St. Joe's. and We played against you guys my senior year, and I played first base, and I was I was pretty comfortable like playing first base. It was my like well, really my first year doing it, but I played infield, so I I just felt comfortable. And I remember playing you guys. I knew all, everybody on that team Gino, Dustin, all those guys. You, we all grew up together. So I made, when Nate came up though, that was the first time I took like a good three steps back from where I normally <laughs> At first played. Base, yeah. And uh, it was like, I'm like, well, I'm basically playing the hot corner now.
1: Yeah.
0: And, uh, and everybody knew, like, Nate had all this buzz around him. And I knew Nate, I knew he was a great, great player. Funny story is, he actually walks. So he took a walk and he comes to first base and I don't think I've seen him at this from this point cuz you know we're different schools and you know different things I moved uh, I moved out of that neighborhood so I wasn't living by him but first thing he says is hey Jake how you doing and I was like hey thanks for taking a walk that was great <laughs> you know like cuz I know I know he could have put one you know into the next county you know so um but he was all he's like the way he is now I feel like he's always been like that just just humble kid like there was a little trash talking in our game just because they knew me, and and, and we didn't. St. Joe's didn't play Bradford a whole lot, and uh, but it was cool. He was just so like, you know, hey, what's up? How's how's it going? Uh, and, I, and I was just like, thanks for not putting one right. through my chest. <laughs> yeah,
1: I got a lot of good stories. We can have those on another podcast.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, uh, what, what questions you got for Coach?
0: Okay, so I have uh, a question. This is from a coach's perspective, right? So. Um, you obviously have a lot of years of experience and I'm my feet are barely getting wet. Okay, like I dipped my toes into this my first year head coaching. I head coached at uh the JV team at St. Cats a couple years, but this is like the first year that I have like I've had real ball players. So my question would be like throughout even this could be even your playing career, like what coach did you have at any point in your life that really influenced you to kind of wanna be a coach and wanna be that mentor for for young ball players
2: um, my high school coach was a big influence uh, I, I went to Notre Dame High School in Niles Illinois um, Notre Dame has it's an all boys high school Catholic high school Seminole St. Joe's and not not all boys but Catholic. right right anyway um, he was he was a scout for the Chicago White Sox at the time um, you know I was fortunate enough to had a couple tryouts in the day. For for him, and actually at Old Comiskey Park with the White Sox, uh, I was I was I played pitcher in college. I in high school I could play middle infield, outfield, wherever, mm-hmm. but um, was that's what my bread and butter was to be able to pitch, and I had to try out with him, just just his his, you know, um, way he went about things and, and motivating us. To be better and play better, and encouraging and getting the best out of all the, the players and wanting to win. I mean, win was winning was important. Um, Notre Dame had a, at the time, a little bit before my time, a player named Greg Luzinski, who was a major league player with the White Sox and Phillies. Sounds and, familiar, honestly. And um, you know that was our, our claim to fame at the time. But I guess I guess he he was a a. a the way he went about his business, treated people fairly, he ran camps, he instructed, he coached, he taught. I worked for him actually in summers uh, doing, doing camps as well. Um, so I, I, I reflect back on that and, and, and that kind of really got me jump started into, into wanting to continue to play baseball but also to get into coaching too.
0: Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Alright, so the last question. Okay, Matt, I don't want you to say a single word. I won't. Because you have bizarre opinions on this.
1: I've heard that before. Okay.
0: And I want you to give an honest answer, Coach Labuta, okay? Do you think Field of Dreams is a baseball movie, and why?
2: Wow. Um, you've seen the movie, right? <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes,
0: okay. Yes, yes. Yes. I'm it's sorry, actually, we did assume that. It's actually currently on Netflix. Yeah, yes. yeah we did. It, yeah, it is? Yeah, well, sorry for assuming that, but I'm...
2: Did Field of Dreams like bring back some memories? Yes. Uh, there is some baseball nostalgia in it. Um, you know, it, it, it it's more of, it's more of, you know, the time, it brings back memories of when you play catch with your dad, you know, and, and you're, and, you know, I, I guess, I would say it's a little both, so I'm not gonna take either side here.
0: That's not fair.
1: That's that's a real bad answer, coach. You know, again, like I said, I usually, when I want to learn about icebergs, I watch a Titanic. You know, that's very much what that movie's about. So, similarly, if I want to learn baseball, I guess I watch Field of
0: Dreams for some content. Um,
1: But okay, so you're in the middle.
0: Listen, if you you never got to see Field of Dreams, how would you ever know who Moonlight Graham was? Why do you care who Moonlight Graham was? Because if I don't know, I'm just saying, (laughs) well, you know, everything's he had, he had all the opportunity, he only got one inning, he never got to hit.
2: It's crazy. Well, let me let me jump into this real quick. I know we're running out of time here, but you know, I, I pick up a lot of baseball instruction nowadays. There are some pretty good TikToks out there, and there are some pretty good other, you know, sources to find baseball content. And you know you know the the guys are guys are giving back to the game or to younger players and and maybe coaches could pick up a a thing or two and I, and one of the things I did when my when I, when I coach I do it now for her captains and I did it for high school if I come across a good short clip of something, I always share it with See? my players and and team, and you know i i do I, you know, they get they look at so much on their phones and, and such, but I ask them about it, too. So that way I know that they've been watching it, or they, I ask them to at least respond back with a comment back to me. If I think it's baseball-worthy. Now, if it's Field of Dreams and it's a movie, I'm not going to ask their opinion on that or, or use that as a teaching there's, tool. I think there's, there's, I think there's
1: so much good content out there, and 100%. we talked about this a little bit. You know, I follow some people on Twitter, and I think... So much, again, the content varies. I think some's really useful, some's not that useful. Right. But what I think is so interesting is when I find a coach or a drill or something that explains something, let's say about hitting, that like I experienced, but I couldn't put my put couldn't put my mm-hmm. finger on it. I couldn't
0: put it into words. I couldn't put it into words.
1: And I think, um, again, I think people, like I said I think people kind of poo-poo that a little bit, like, oh, you know, it's a random video guy. It's like, hey, this is an instructor or a guy that played in the big leagues saying what he felt. Um, I will say sometimes if I was a player and you saw something for like, Hey, if I'm a player and I saw a TikTok, and it's like, that's an interesting way to put it. My coach isn't saying that maybe if you talk to the coach, cause it's probably close, but there's not a lot of, um, I, I agree with you. I have learned a handful of drills and a handful of phrases through stuff that I've seen on TikTok mm-hmm. and Twitter and stuff.
0: I actually, I mean, same with Instagram, uh, I actually have an entire folder. If I think it's interesting, I save it to that folder and I just go back to it. And there's actually a few things I actually used last winter with those kids. One of them being for uh, for ground balls, to kind of keep kids from sitting on their heels and waiting for the ball to get to them. You put an object in front of them, like a bucket, right? So they go
1: around it. Yes. Yeah, and so when the
0: ball comes out of the machine or the ball's hit, you have to shuffle your feet and then get back in front of the baseball mm-hmm. again. And it just, it keeps you from sitting there waiting for it. And
1: you know what's hard with those drills? At a certain level. So if you're like a – let's say like a 15-, 16-, 17-year-old kid, I should just be able to say, hey, get around the ball when you're fielding a grounder, move your feet. Right. Like they should understand their body enough to do that. However, I found some of the stuff that people might think is gimmicky is really good for younger kids. Because, yes. for example, if you're 10 years old and for the last six years of your life that you've been you know, out of diapers, you've only you know, came up to a grounder and just stopped like dead feet, you might never have felt – what it feels like to move your feet through a grounder. Right. So me telling you it doesn't help you at all. You know, it's like you telling me about something that I've never experienced.
2: And with that TikTok stuff that we're sharing, it wouldn't be good if the if I didn't think it was good and you didn't think it was good, and we wouldn't share it with them. Yeah. But right. then you have to put it into practice. Yeah. So I'm sharing it with the players. I'm like, well, if I don't have time during our next practice to share it with you, then you got to... They have to take the initiative to go and do it, because just by watching, you know the three ways to learn. You you see it, you do it, and, and you, ha- you have to do it. Yeah. You see it, you do it, you hear it, right? Do it with intent. You it have right, to right. do it all three ways. You see it, you practice it, and you listen to, to the to the correct instruction.
0: And that's literally how the military teaches you to do things. Yeah. Um, yeah. They instruct, and then they demonstrate, and then you execute. And That's that's the same. And you know but that really, goes. That just shows you that. The things that you learn and can be coached in baseball, this translates into your life like mm-hmm. in the way that you overcome things or, or take on things in your life.
1: And, you know, I think kids, if we, we talked about it a little bit about how things have changed. You know, I think kids are really smart now in terms of some of I mean, again, kids are still kids, so they're still dumb. Yeah. But, like, I, but, <laughs> but they're really smart now in the sense of, like, there's so much good content. So much. I'm in, I'm in love with, like, driveline, the pitching stuff. Like, like the RPMs and stuff like that because so many times as a catcher there was stuff like man you know that guy has such good arm side run or that guy throws a heavy ball or that guy has late movement now they can like give you like hey you throw a heavy ball that because that's because you have this many RPMs like right. they can actually put a number on it mm-hmm. yeah. and I think to me so much of stuff that we kind of talked about will not be like hey here's why he's doing it here's why I'm not doing it so try to bridge that gap I mean again all in the right perspective if i am just a nerd about this stuff and i spend all day on tiktok watching videos that's not inherently going to make me a better player but if you are a eighth grader and you're like hey why do i keep rolling over what my coach is telling me isn't making sense again right. google can be used for good things too google how to stay inside the ball i bet you get mm-hmm. eight drills right there and yeah. i bet three of them are pretty solid
0: mm-hmm. yeah exactly I agree.
1: yeah all right anything else jake what do you know what do you got well so wait, that's before so yes or no. Give me give us a yes or no. Baseball movie or not. If you had to say yes or no, field of dreams, baseball, yes or no. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Wow. That's a
0: lot of baseball in it. You're right. You know?
1: Titanic has a lot of water.
0: He he literally almost lost his farm turning his cornfield into a baseball diamond. I don't understand why. And how they you play can,
2: baseball there now. They have a baseball game at Major League Baseball is a game there. Every, yep, one a year. year.
0: It's uh it's definitely not about farming. I will
1: will save it for the next podcast how this guy who went to
0: when All right, yeah, yeah, just leave guy, it. Just this leave guy it. goes to
1: Berkeley and then becomes a farmer in Iowa and you know, hemorrhages his family's financial future. His daughter, sorry, can't go to college. I have to- she
0: can now. <laughs> yeah, she can now. All right, folks, well, we'll leave that there for you. Uh, tune in next week. We'll be arguing about Field of Dreams, a couple other baseball movies. And answering some questions. And answering some questions. Again, if you would like to reach out to us, send us a comment, a question, even for uh, Coach Matt Lebuta, we'll always be staying in touch with him. Hopefully, he'll come on again. Yeah, this was great. I feel like great. we have a lot thank, more to talk about. Thank you for about.
1: coming on. Yeah, was Thanks for great. having me, guys. Yeah,
0: thank you. It was, a, uh, it was a great conversation. Went a little long, but that's okay. All right? It's never long to be wrong. Sure. Or something like that. All right. All right. Thanks, folks. Have a good one.